Andre Ethier plays, Gordon Beckham plays poorly, and Yonder Alonso plays third base. All that and more right now on Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm all fired up this morning. It's Tuesday, August 31st. You're looking forward to that big Red Sox-Yankees no. series that doesn't mean anything because both teams are going to the playoffs? It means a lot in terms of winning the division. Winning the division is very important. No, yes, I disagree. It, it just means a lot to you. Well, it'd be nice to see the Yankees actually beat the Red Sox. That would be nice. There and if CC Sabathia can't beat John Lackey, like he couldn't beat him last time, then I'm going to be in a bad mood on Wednesday. So be prepared for that, everybody. So here we go with Fantasy Baseball today. Send us an email at dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. Follow us on Twitter at cbsfantasybb and facebook.com slash cbsportsfantasy. Oh, yeah. Facebook.com slash cbsportsfantasy. Now. Guys, three up, three down. We'll go uh, into most add and most drop later. But Yonder Alonso is three up number one because the Reds put him at third base yesterday. He did go 0 for 4, but look, it's good to see him in the lineup. Yeah, see, that's that's what it is uh, all about in three up because you can go 0 for 4. You can do absolutely nothing, but if you change your position, yeah. then well, you, you get a spot. If you get at bats and if you, you get were a guy not getting at bats, <laughs> you know, 0, for, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts is like – the worst possible performance you could expect from Alonzo, which says something about how good he had been this season and what his upside is. Ultimately, I mean, look, first game he played at third base as a professional, majors or minors. Mm -hmm. I don't see this becoming a long-term thing by any means, and and I still see him ultimately getting traded in the offseason because that's the only way he's going to be able to fulfill his potential. Uh, so still I see him more in the scouting for next year column than the helping your fantasy team this year column. Three up number two is Johnny Damon. Two home runs on Monday, and he's owned in 75% of leagues, starting in 57%. You guys like him? I feel like I should like him a lot more than I have um, because he is just on the verge of being a top 30 outfielder this year. In really? Head head. Yeah, that was my reaction, exactly. I wow. did not expect that. Um, but, you know, so I think he's, he's the new Hunter Pence. Uh, even though he's been around a lot longer than Hunter Pence, because right. you look at his stat line, you think, how can this guy possibly be the 31st-ranked outfielder in head-to-head? He doesn't do anything great, but he also doesn't do anything badly. He steals well, a few bases. He scores a good number of runs. Decent batting average. Moderate I, power. I would argue he gets on base badly okay. or poorly or, or whatever. 317 on-base percentage, which isn't the Damon You're right. we, we're used to in fantasy. Uh, so still... A surprise compared to where it looked like he was going last year, but I, I still see him as at best a fringe starter. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with the Pence comparison because in my mind, Pence is also less than an every week starter in fantasy, even though a lot of people are higher on him than that. So uh, Damon, I, I don't know, 75% ownership seems seems appropriate to me. Let's talk about three-up number three, Royals catcher, rookie catcher, Salvador Perez. He has 12 hits in his last seven games. He hit his first home run on Monday night, and he plays a lot, and he's barely owned. I don't see him really making a big fantasy impact. I understand he's hitting well right now, and, and he had a 290-ish batting average in the minors, but also a 769 OPS, and... To me, even at a weak position like catcher, that's not enough to make a, a a significant fantasy contribution. It means he's not getting on base. It means he doesn't have big-time power. Uh, maybe somewhere down the line I could see him having 
an A.J. Pierzynski-type season. But that's probably a best-case scenario for him at an age 21. I, I don't know that he's there yet. He's so young, um, you know, especially for a catcher. Um, the one thing that does play in his favor is that the Royals are playing him a lot. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that gives him more value than maybe what's showing up in his ownership rate. But I agree with Scott. I mean, you know, he did well for his levels in the minors considering his age. But, you know, that just is all the more reason to question whether or not he can do well in the majors given how untested he is. Three down now, three players trending down, and number one is Gordon Beckham, who's just not relevant this season. He's been awful, but do you guys have any hope for him in the future, or are you done with Gordon Beckham? For this year, I'm done, because yeah. you know it's only gotten worse. I, he's still plenty young. I could still see him getting his career back on track. I don't think people are going to draft him next season. I don't think I would draft him next season the way I did this season, you know, with the assumption he's going to bounce back. I still see him getting drafted in the late rounds and he could be a huge value there, but you can't count on him performing next year. Yeah. I mean, this has been a, a second straight year of heavy duty regression for Beckham. So, you know, I, I don't say that there is any reason to really trust him a lot next year. But Scott, like you say, he's young enough that it's you can't completely give up on Beckham. Three down number two is Matt Joyce. I actually had a pretty good fantasy week 21, uh, but here he is in, go, in week 22, goes 0 for 4. I'm not going to make a huge deal out of do you know one the, game. Do you know who the Rays were facing last night? It was the Blue Jays. Ricky Romero. Was it a left-hander? And they were facing four left-handers total this week. I think they, they faced only one last week. So it's still so that same issue for Joyce. To, okay. Uh, he's startable in weeks where he, they face right-handers, but we've seen here in the second half, it, it's not always a certainty he's going to be great those weeks. So uh, still, still someone I would be uh, more likely to sit than not in mixed leagues. Of course it was Ricky Romero. I have a Ricky Romero note coming up later in the show. So get excited for that. Three down, number three is Jesus Guzman. Only started in 27% of leagues, but he's owned in about half our leagues. In August, not a bad batting average, 297, but only one home run, 13 RBIs, 7 walks, 19 strikeouts, just three hits in his last six games. Yeah, but the, those overall numbers I think are pretty much on target with what you should expect from Guzman. Not great power for a first baseman, but I think he can hit for average, and I think that he's now had a hot and a cold streak that have sort of balanced each other out, and this is what you get. All right. Rotation. Five pitchers from Monday's games who caught our eye. Number one, Randy Wells, the star of the day, pitched a complete game shutout in San Francisco. Two hits, one walk. Seven strikeouts, only owned in 16% of leagues, Al. Well, to reference my metaphor from uh, the other day's podcast, I think the pizza's done. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Wells, I, I kept you know, checking back on him every so often to see, you know, because he, he just was not back to his usual form, not ready to use. Um, but this is a stretch of, I think, four starts in a row where Wells has been pretty much the pitcher he was a year or two ago. Now, how does your quick pitch throw his first ever shutout? And my quick pitch goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. What's that about? Uh, I, th I think that's, you know, again, more kind of regressing to the mean there. That, uh, you know, I had a good one, you had a bad one. Okay. Uh, so it evens out. I think it evens out, yeah. Okay. Rotation spot number two belongs to Max Scherzer. Ooh, I just feel really bad for anyone who put him in their lineup. Three innings, ten runs, seven earned. Against Kansas City, 95% ownership started in 86% of leagues. That's disheartening. Yeah. I don't know what you had him in, in, in the hitting planner, Al. I don't know what you had him listed as. 
But I was probably big, in the pitching planner. In, I was big into him uh, this week, two-start week, Royals for the first start. Um, and 297 ERA over his last nine starts. I don't know what happened here. I thought he was getting back on track. Well, you know, first of all, again, this happens to almost everybody. But with Scherzer, you know, you have an extra shrug of the shoulders and an extra sigh because we see this from him so often where he has a good stretch and then he collapses. And not just for one start, but maybe two or three starts. Not to say that his next start will be a, a bad one, but where did I have him in the pitching planner? He was a recommended uh, standard mixed league start and not a borderline one. So this was not what I, not what I saw in the crystal ball. Brandon McCarthy, he lost Monday, but he pitched well. Struck out 10 in eight innings, five hits, one walk, gave up two earned runs, and he's owned in half our leagues. Yeah, needs to be owned in more, I'd say, and that's the third time I've said that about McCarthy this year, and he, every time I have, he's followed it up with a terrible start, <laughs> um, so, which is why I couldn't recommend him for this week. But uh, more than seven innings in four of his last seven starts, and he has an ERA uh, in the three, well, with this start, is probably closer to 325 during that stretch. Um, so obviously somebody pitching deep into games like that needs to be owned. R.A. Dickey has thrown seven consecutive quality starts, seven scoreless with six strikeouts against the Marlins, and he is owned in 41% of leagues. McCarthy or Dickey? I would go with Dickey for the rest of the season. That's the guy I went with this week when I had the choice between the two in, in both of my head-to-head leagues. And uh, it's just a matter of consistency. McCarthy has those awful starts mixed in there. Dickey, like you said, quality start time and time again. The issue for him was not getting wins. He had gone 0-3 over his previous five starts, but he finally got one last night. He keeps pitching like that. He should get some more. Freddie Garcia, last spot in the rotation. He is a bona fide Cy Young contender, guys. I mean, <laughs> uh, no. 3.09 ERA, though. Really, great year. Um, 60% ownership for Garcia. He threw six innings, two hits, one run at Baltimore. Yeah, and he's, in many ways, uh, even though he's you know really in the late stages of his career, an improved pitcher this year. For the Well, he's getting batters to swing at pitches outside the zone at a rate that's so much higher than anything he's done before in his career. Uh, and like I said, at this late stage, um, it's pretty surprising. And also, you know, with that, and maybe not surprising, his slider's been really, really effective. Now, that said, he had a slider that wasn't so effective, was very straight against Mark Reynolds last night, mm -hmm. um, hit a home run. That's the first home run that anybody's hit against Garcia since June 7th. Wow. For a fly ball pitcher who... Pitches half the time in Yankee Stadium. That's just weird. So you're not buying. <laughs> so it? I'm not. I'm. I'm buying real improvement from Garcia. I'm not buying a low threes ERA. Um, I think the home run thing is just a real fluke with him. Injuries, news, and notes. Are you guys concerned about Alex Rodriguez's thumb? Derek Jeter hopefully will be back in the lineup on Tuesday. That doesn't look too severe. That knee bruise, but a Rod's thumb. I think at minimum he's going to miss half the week with that thumb, and he's. Uh, getting an MRI, uh, last I heard about that, I don't think we have the results of that yet. I, I think I think he's fine. I think it's just a sprain it, it checked out or fine. something like that. Okay. Well, then he'll probably be fine for, for next week, I would think. Um, but this week, obviously, not going to do much for you. <laughs> Another hamstring injury for Nelson Cruz. So yeah. he's expected to miss three weeks or so. 
You know what is maybe the most interesting thing about this because a hamstring injury for Cruz is not all that interesting. It's commonplace. But the Rangers reportedly are looking into working out a trade for Lance Berkman, Berkman yeah. who cleared waivers. Yeah, and so Cruz, he might not be back for the rest of the season. Is that realistic? Uh, I don't know about realistic. It's probably, you know, or I shouldn't say probable, possible. Well, what are we? We've got three and a half weeks left. They say he's going to be out for three weeks. Uh, I guess we have more than that. We yeah. have, we have we like have four exactly and a half weeks, four weeks yeah. left, yeah. or four and a half weeks. So it's, it's certainly possible. I don't know about probable. I guess it would depend on on uh, their lead but, in the AL West. Yeah. But the thing in fantasy that last week, week twenty five, assuming your league is playing it, it's like a week and a half. Yeah. It's it's so. I, I would think his absence could in, extend into that fantasy week twenty five. In which case. How could you start him? And I think this brings up a bigger question about drafting a guy like Nelson Cruz because you draft him and you know he's going to get injured. But the fear is just don't get injured during the playoffs. You know, get injured in June or something like that. If you, even if you go on two DLSTs, just don't do it in September, man. So I think that's <laughs> something you have to consider on draft day when you take a guy who is almost a guarantee to get injured. Well, and, I, and tying into that uh, with the point I just made about Cruz, even if he doesn't necessarily get injured right at playoff time. I mean, if he has an injury two weeks before that, that he just gets back from, uh, you're, you're still not trusting he's all the way back. You still don't yeah. know if that's going to bother him again. I, I think as as safe as you need to go in the playoffs, uh, it, it's it's hard for me to trust a player like that, You know, even, even if he's not on the DL at the time. Yeah. So does this change your draft strategy at all with a guy like that, Al? I think just that you need to build some some outfield depth when you have yeah. Cruz. You know, I mean, I hear what you say about you know make sure or you know or at least hope that you're covered for the playoffs. But I mean, you could also draft Cruz the idea that he's a guy who can help who can help you get there. Yeah, you know, by being really productive in certain weeks. Andre Ethier was back in the lineup, but can we count on him this year with this knee saga? I don't think so. He's the fact that he's saying himself it's not going to get any better than it is now it can only get worse and it's affecting my hitting mechanics i, I mean there's if if he's saying that then then what hope is there for yeah. him i i would prefer to see him just shut it down for the season and he still may ultimately do that but i i wouldn't trust him in my lineup right now in mixed leagues. Nate Evaldi, for you owners in deeper leagues, he will make one more start for the Dodgers, and then he will be moved to the bullpen for the rest of the season. Uh, I just want to say the one start thing is it, he, it could be more than that, but you know it's possible that maybe after his next start he'll move to the bullpen. The move is coming regardless, so okay. if you own him, you definitely need to have your backup plan in place. Kevin Euclid could begin a rehab assignment very soon. Maybe today on Tuesday. You may have him back next week, so you're going to want to check on that. When does Jimmy Rollins get back? Did his timetable get pushed back? A little bit. Um, probably not going to be a minimum stay on the DL for Rollins, which means that while he could return next week, uh, that being week 23, you're going to get at best a partial week from Rollins. Justin Morneau now dealing with an injured shoulder. He is day-to-day. Adam Dunn. Still own in 57% of leagues. I think it's safe to say you can drop him, but the good news is for Diane Vicieto, Dunn is going to start losing some at-bats to Vicieto. In fact, that happened last night. Vicieto DH'd. He went two for three with an RBI, and he stole a base. So yeah, They're cool. going to be getting at-bats for Vicieto, however possible. I, I want to go back to Morneau for a second because yeah. you talk about looking forward here as we approach the end of the season. Morneau is a guy... 
obviously I think we're to the point now where you shouldn't be caring about him this season. Mm -hmm. You can't trust him to help you in the playoffs. Next season, what are we talking about for Morneau? I'm not going to draft him next year. You're not going to draft him at all? No, I mean, no, I'm probably not. I'm not well, saying he's I, undraftable. I'm saying that I, I like to avoid guys like that. I screwed see, myself in the podcast league by taking uh, Kenji Morales. Yeah. And, and you, if you don't have a good first baseman, you're in a lot of trouble. What round, though? I, don't, I really don't remember. Early. What, like, yeah. it, it was even earlier. I think it was even earlier than that um, for you drafting Morales. But I think I, I'm, I'm more on your side with Morneau. Uh, I, I don't think he'll go undrafted next year, but... Calling him a middle round sleeper, I think, is going to be giving him too much credit. As as he's been inept this year, he hasn't done anything. I, I think a late rounder is more what we're talking about for Morneau. Yeah, I don't know. Middle round didn't set off any alarm for me. Um, well, okay, but Eric Hosmer or Justin Morneau, who are you drafting next year? That's a, that's a tough one, and obviously we're talking about non keeper league. Um, yeah, I might go more no in that spot. I, you know, see, I'd go Hosmer, yeah, easily because he's he's relevant right now and he's only going to get better. Th- that to me is, uh, you know, we're, if we go if we went and started putting together the rankings for 2012 today, I'd have Hosmer over more no, I think, unless you talked me out of it, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm probably not going to do. But um, because I I could see your point on it, um, and I wouldn't even. Go for more no necessarily, but that's sort of that to me is the tipping point right there because I wouldn't look next year to Hosmer as my number one first baseman if I could help it. I would try to get a first baseman before that. So if it gets to that point in the draft and you know we've got some unproven younger guys and somebody like Morneau who's slipped, I'm at least considering Morneau. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, Morneau as a backup first baseman or as a utility guy, obviously I'd draft him as that. But I'm not going to draft yeah. him. I'm not going to wait on a first baseman so I can take my sleeper, Justin Morneau, right. in hopes of him being healthy. I just and that's a too sea big change. of a risk. Yeah, that's a sea change for him, and I think that's the important thing. Okay, let's move on and uh, look more around baseball here. Try to fly through this before we get to most added, most dropped. Alfonso Soriano hit his 23rd home run of the season Tuesday. In August, only a two twenty four batting average, but six home runs, six doubles, 17 runs batted in. And he's available in about 30% of leagues. And you can leave them there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this could be that hot streak. It's a good month. Six home runs isn't bad. And, well, the six right. doubles is actually the surprising part to me. I mean, he hits uh, home runs in, in clumps, always has, always, uh, probably always will. But you can't really rely on him for much of anything else. So the fact that you get doubles from him, at least for a period of time, is that's a bonus. Let's compare two closers. Bobby Parnell owned in 30% of leagues. Mark Melanson, 36%. Parnell got the save yesterday in the first game of the doubleheader for the Mets. Two saves in his last two appearances. Melanson, seven save opportunities in August, eight in June and July combined. So that is better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who do you like, Parnell or Melanson? Can I like neither of them? Because that's where I stand with them. Okay. Uh, Parnell actually worked the second game of the doubleheader, too, and and didn't get a save. Uh, But the first game... When he did get the save, he allowed a home run in that, and and I think that's what we've seen from him so far is that he's just not, not a lockdown guy, not not which which is what you need as a closer, obviously trying to preserve a one one run lead or whatever else. How do you throw him twice in one day? They did. I, I How mean, do you do that? You can do that. No, you yeah, cannot. You can. d- no, you cannot. Do it. Especially your closer. 
It's not like he's well, some he's worthless not, see, middle reliever. Well, that's for fantasy owners this year. That's the point. He's he's still not really the closer. He's the halfway closer in trial, and so that's why he's owned in so few leagues and why you still can't trust him. And well, you can't trust him because he's erratic. I think from this point going forward, you can trust him to get save opportunities because they're not going to go to Isringhausen. I don't think they're. They gonna... might. They they he didn't say they weren't going to. In fact, I think Terry Collins said they. Uh, they'd split going forward well that was i've heard other things and that may be the case i tell you what that aside i'm not going to trust parnell just because he's erratic um i will play adam's game i will pick one and for that reason i would trust melanson because even though he's still a lower end guy 140 whip almost lower end but at least least you know what you're getting and you will get people could be desperate I don't okay. like either of these guys. Need, I'm saying if you're right. desperate, if yeah. you need getting, saves. getting saved is better than no saves. So right. pick I'll one. agree with that. So I'll, okay, if that's my situation, I will pick Melanson. Thank you. Thank, was that so difficult, nope. <laughs> Scott? You don't ask too I just much. wanted to knock both these guys. Neither are going to be closing next year. Mark it down. Okay, that's probably true. Ricky Romero, 14 strikeouts in his last 28 innings over four starts. A little bit down. Any concern there? For a, a seven strikeout per nine inning guy. You know, he gets the nine strikeout games sometimes, the ten strikeout games sometimes. He's been awesome during this stretch. So just because he isn't getting those big strikeout games right now, I'm not concerned. No. And uh, lowest line drive rate of any starting pitcher this year. So he's getting outs one way or another. Ricky Romero or Johnny Cueto? Ricky Romero. Ricky Romero. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, right. it might be a top 20 option next year. Okay. Uh, what do you guys make of David Huff's start against Oakland? Six scoreless, four Ks. I don't know what to make. Um, but it's not enough to get me excited, and the matchup doesn't, you know, doesn't certainly um, change that for me because the A's do tend to make a lot of starters look pretty good. Um, but you know, Huff has shown something in some of his earlier starts and in his minor league career, so I w- wouldn't completely write him off. But this isn't really moving the needle for me in terms of having any interest in him in mixed leagues. And congratulations to Wani Rodriguez. 13 strikeouts against the Pirates yesterday, career high. Most added, most dropped players in CBSSports.com leagues. Well, the number one most added player yesterday was Wade Davis, and I think people are regretting that. He got roughed up at Toronto Monday. He is now owned in half of our leagues. Compare him to Brandon McCarthy. Who do you like better? McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you, you, sh- you guys, guys should have. You guys. Davis, right? Uh, well, Coming into last year, I was. Coming not, into not this recently. year, I was. He's just been a big disappointment all year. And, and I hope people listening to this podcast were not the ones picking up Davis because Al said, no way. Mm-hmm. Jose, right. don't pick up Davis. <laughs> and they did it anyway. And Jose did it anyway. Ugh. Wade Davis or Charlie Morton now? Charlie Morton. Number four on the most added list, Lucas Duda. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the Duda Duda thing. But he's on the list. How about do 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 da da da? What is what, that? He probably doesn't like that either. Which it's one is old that? police song. Oh yeah. Oh, I hate that song. Yeah. You, Lucas Duda probably does too. Yeah. Uh, no good. What do you guys think about him? He's owning thirty-seven percent of leagues. I think he is a guy you need to be starting in NL only leagues. Uh, consistent three hundred hitter, nine hundred OPS guy in the minors. Didn't get a lot of hype, but they're playing him every day, and he's uh, those numbers are translating. James Loney's number seven on the most added list, up 12% to 41% ownership. 516 batting average, three homers in his last seven games. That's obviously the reason he's getting picked up, whether it's 
good enough reason for him to get picked up is a separate issue. And I say it's not because we know exactly who James Loney is at this stage of his career, and it's not a worthwhile starter at first base. Most added, number 12, Chris Capuano. 10% up. Uh, he's in, an increase of 10%, 38% ownership. Capuano or Chen? Oh, I think I'd actually go with Chen here, which I can't believe the, the version of me from one or two weeks ago would be very disappointed in the current version <laughs> of me going with Chen. But he's he's been really good lately, and, and Chen's somebody that I've always avoided with certain matchups and certain venues, and he's sort of defied that for most of the season. So I think uh, Chen needs to be take. I need to take Chen more seriously. I, I shouldn't put that on anybody else. But I think Capuano is also been vastly underrated this year, but he's had some rough stretches that have inflated his ERA. So I think that's a very, very close and good comparison. Capuano Chen, uh, it's almost a push. And number 14 is Freddy Garcia. We talked about him earlier. Obviously, we like him better than Wade Davis, right? Yes, we do. Okay. Most drop list now, four of the most drop players. A lot of this most drop list is a bunch of injured guys or, or players we've talked about at length. Number 10, Fausto Carmona. You know, you know what? I think all of these guys were we two-star pitchers. The first three for week. sure. Bartolo was, was two. two. Okay, yeah. so yeah, all four then. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense then. So it's Carmona, Saunders, Evaldi, who's going to the bullpen, and Cologne. Their numbers 10, 11, 12, and 13. Between Carmona, Saunders, and Cologne. Anybody strike you as, eh, don't, don't give up on these guys? Not me. No, I think uh, that was the right approach to take for all of them. In the case of Carmona and Saunders, both still strike me as low ceiling guys. You got the two-start week out of them. One was good, one was not so good. Okay, you can move on. Cologne obviously was owned in a lot more leagues leading up to this two-start week. But, again, it was a case one was good one was bad the stretch of bad starts we've talked about it before not pitching as deep into games I, I don't think that one seven inning stint in his last start is enough for me to change my view on the way his his second half of the season is going so I was actually among the five percent that dropped him in one of my leagues for a two-start R.A. Dickey and uh Nice. Obviously, after what Dickie did yesterday, not regretting that move. And that's why we stream two-start pitchers from time <laughs> to time. I, I will say Carmona has been on an upswing, whereas you know the rest of these guys, I think there's, there's reason to drop them. Uh, but I think Carmona, even as a one-start guy now, in, certainly in deeper leagues, um, deeper mixed leagues, is, is worth hanging on to. Quick pitch now. Scott's AL player is Leonis Martin. Is it Leonis Martin or uh, Martin? It's probably Martin. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. So let's say Leonis Martin, assuming the Rangers don't go the route of picking up Lance Berkman from the Cardinals, which... Is it Berkman or Berkman? It's Berkman. It's, yeah. I, I, think it, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Berkman. I don't know. Berkman. Oh, okay. It's like a superhero. Yeah. Berkman. The Berkman. <laughs> He's like Josh Outman. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. So Martin. Uh -huh. uh, Martin. <laughs> their GM uh, said, as you would expect him to say, that they're going to replace Nelson Cruz in-house, and he actually referred to Martin by name. I, I didn't hear the quote, obviously. I read it, or else I'd know how to pronounce exactly. it. But uh, he, he actually <laughs> referred to him by name as the guy they would look at. Hasn't been called up yet, but it looks like that's going to happen. And, and I've, we've talked about him before on, a pod, on the podcast as someone I thought could make an immediate contribution when he got up because Cuban defector uh, was tearing up AAA pitching. You could argue baseball-wise he was already ready to play in the major leagues 
by the from the time he signed with the Rangers. Well, since then, he got moved up to AAA, and it hasn't gone as well. 175 at-bats there, 263 batting average, no home runs, and a 630 OPS. So now I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm, I'm anxious to see what this guy's going to be able to do right away. Still playing for the Rangers in that lineup, in that ballpark, and, and with his experience uh, in Cuba. I still think he could be an immediate contributor, but it's not as safe. It's not such a safe call anymore that I'm going to say everybody needs to rush and pick this guy up. I would only be doing that right now in AL-only leagues. Al's AL player is Scott Feldman. Yes, who is now in the Rangers rotation. Um, They are going to the six-man rotation, and the only one in their rotation right now who's going to get the regular – four-day rest on a consistent basis is C.J. Wilson. Um, So, you know, Harrison, in fact, Harrison's already had his start move back this week. Uh, Ogando, uh, even Colby Lewis, they're going to be getting more time in between starts. But Feldman needs to be in a lot more uh, leagues at this point. Uh, He's been really effective in the bullpen. Ground ball rate is way up again, and that was a key to his success two years ago when he started, uh, I think, the whole season, got those 17 wins. So um, Scott Feldman is somebody down the stretch, particularly certainly in AL-only leagues, maybe in some deeper mixed leagues, uh, deserves some consideration. Scott's looking at the Mets for his NL quick pitch. It's Nick Evans. Yes, we talked about Lucas Duda earlier in the show as, as somebody who was a consistent 300 hitter, 900 OPS guy in the minors, but didn't get the hype. Got regular bats in the majors and has looked just as good as he did in the minors. Nick Evans is kind of like Lucas Duda Jr. as far as that goes. Pretty much the whole in, entirely the same story. 300 hitter, 900 OPS usually in the minors. This year specifically, 313 batting average, 837 OPS at AAA. Uh, but he hit 300 with a 907 OPS between double and AAA last year. Uh, like Duda, not a lot of hype, not seen as a major prospect, but the Mets recently decided, hey, we got Daniel Murphy out. We got, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of their first baseman because he's been Ike out Davis. so long. Ike Davis out. <laughs> We've got both of these positions open. We can move Duda to the outfield, get Evans in there, see what he can do with full-time at-bats. And so far, it's been the same results. Those numbers have translated. Evans went two for four yesterday, bringing his batting average up to 286. And even more impressive, his on-base percentage is now 406. So he looks like somebody who you also need to look to add in NL-only leagues. Looks like he's going to keep playing regularly. As far as long-term picture, I, I don't, I don't see him uh, being having quite the upside as Duda. Power-wise, I think he might be closer to Daniel Murphy as far as that goes, but. Um, and in a lonely league, certainly somebody who uh, you need to pay attention to. Al's NL player is a guy who picked up his 34th save on Monday night, J.J. Putz. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is one that, I don't know, it's really probably not going to affect that many owners. Uh, Putz is already starting in 83% of leagues, but there is room for that to increase. Um, he Not only did he pick up his 34th save, but he's just been very productive in fantasy all along, and really the only problem was some time that he missed with injury. On a per-inning basis, though, he's been just about the most productive reliever. He has more fantasy points per inning this year than Brian Wilson, than Mo Rivera, or than Heath Bell. 
Uh, so he's a guy who, you know, early on, you know, certainly draft time, looked like a sleeper, but there were some questions about, you know, if he could really regain the form that he had back when he was a Mariner. He's really followed through on that, so he's, he's been an elite guy this year. Fellas, thanks a lot. Our Tuesday show is done. We're back on Wednesday to recap Tuesday's action, and then Thursday Social Media Thursday, and, of course, Sunday we help you set your lineup for the upcoming week. That's uh, Scott White and Al Melchior. Our producer's Matt Brodsky. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you tomorrow.